Welcome to the ECT podcast series, engaging with the researchers working on the long-term field experiments in ECT's national network. Good afternoon to you all. I'm here at the Bangor Diverse Woodland Experiment at the Henveys Research Station belonging to Bangor University in North Wales with Dr Andy Smith, the principal investigator who runs the experiment here from Bangor University. A very good afternoon to you, Andy. Good afternoon. Can you tell us a bit more about the background and history of this experiment and perhaps something about the original carbon enrichment experiment that took place here? Yeah, sure. So Bangor Diverse was started back in 2004. It fills the same platform or the same field sites as the former carbon dioxide enrichment experiment, the FACE experiment, that's ran between 2004 and 2009. So this experiment occupies two hectares around the original FACE experiment and kind of succeeded that experiment. So we can still use the FACE experiment for work that examines what happens to to trees when CO2 decreases, but that's very much a, a secondary historical linkage to the old work. What we're doing now is trying to look at the interaction between different deciduous tree species and we have here at Bangladesh seven different deciduous tree species planted in different mixtures across two hectares where we can really start to to look at the interactions between these species and think about how they may affect things like nutrient cycling, carbon sequestration and other ecosystem services so things like hydrology, pests and diseases so it's quite a a useful platform looking at these different tree species and how they might work together from an ecological perspective. And I can see silver birch around us here and sycamore. The others in the seven species here are? Yeah, so we've looked at deciduous species that are used in afforestation of broad-leaved forests in the UK. So as well as birch, we have ash, beech, I mentioned sycamore, we have oak, Uh, We even have an unusual species, sweet chestnut, which you you might expect to be used more in the south, but is slowly becoming more suitable in in more northern climes. So we can look at the the interaction of these different species, and and they all have interesting different characteristics. So some of the species grow very quickly. They're known as pioneer species. Some fix nitrogen, so alder, for example, adds nitrogen to the soil, and that can benefit the ecosystem. Whilst others like to sit in the understory, so we might have species such as ash that is able to survive in the understory and when a gap opens in the forest it can suddenly grow. So all of these seven different tree species have these different ecological characteristics that enable us to to look at how they may complement each other to maximise the provision of these ecosystem services. So you mentioned ecosystem services earlier as well. perfect introduction to a question about the impacts. Can you summarise the impacts from the Bangor Diverse experiment? So there's been a couple of different major impacts. The one I'd like to talk about most recently is the impacts on hydrology. So we've been looking particularly at how 
tree species or individual tree species may affect water infiltration. Obviously this is very popular, a lot of people know about natural flood risk management, but what we don't know is how different tree species may have differential uh, effects. So we can answer the question, or attempt to answer the question, what is the best species to, to plant and where we should plant it? So, uh, PhD students, uh, I have Bid Webb, has been conducting her research here for the last four years and has been looking at the influence of species specific roots and how those, the, the morphology of those roots interacts with the soil. So, we're looking at the, the shape of the roots and how different species combine together and how that then influences the soil structure. And ultimately, changes in the soil structure influences how water moves through the soil. And the major finding that Beard has identified is that one particular species, ash, which we all know is suffering from ash dieback, and, and although is ubiquitous in the, in the landscape, may actually become less frequently observed. And that species seems to have a disproportionately large impact on the hydrological function of the soil, so how well the, the soil infiltrates water. And what we found is that the type of roots that grow with ash create these much larger pores in the soil, so what we call macropores, and that allows water to travel through the soil more rapidly and also for the soil to potentially store more water. So we could argue then and, and potentially formulate policy suggesting that we should plant particular tree species to maximise the impact of the trees on flood mitigation. So it's a really nice uh, way of, of using these experiments to pass on guidance, management guidance, planting guidance to policymakers and practitioners on what would be the best tree to plant and where to plant it. And that, that I would say is, is probably the, the current really exciting output. We've done quite a lot of work looking at how we can combine different species so that they have both greater productivity above ground, which is obviously important if you're interested in producing biomass and, and wood products, but also how much productivity is going on below ground. Now, roots productivity or root growth, because you're effectively growing biomass directly into the soil, that has a potential to be stored for, uh, for a long time as, as a recalcitrant or a hard to deal with form of carbon. And what we can see is if we mix species that contrast with each other, that we can get a, a greater root biomass. And a greater root biomass hopefully translates into improved carbon sequestration. So again, uh, hopefully we can identify a selection of species that will grow together well to maximise both above-ground productivity, which might benefit practitioners, and also carbon sequestration. And so what we could make recommendations on what are the, the best species to mix to maximise carbon sequestration. So yes, again, another potentially big impact so we're providing these ecosystem services from forests. So one of the services might be climate regulation and climate can be regulated by carbon stored in the biomass or it can be regulated uh, by storing carbon in the soil. And of course the soil is often a, a massively overlooked pool of carbon. Carbon stored in the soil tends to be retained in the soil for a very long time isn't that dynamic or volatile. So it's a great way to ensure that carbon is stored in an inert way. 
That's great. I know, Andy, you already have collaborative links with the By Four Face experiment at Birmingham. Are you open to wider collaborations here at Bangor Diverse as well? Absolutely. I think collaboration is really important in the scientific community. You know, we all have different areas of expertise. And here we have what is a, a well-established scientific platform, probably one of the oldest tree diversity experiments in the world with trees that are 18 years old. They've been growing relatively undisturbed, only with a minimal amount of research, which means that we can utilise this to the greater scientific body. Where is the future direction for this experiment? What are your near-term plans? So, as always, my area of expertise is particularly below ground. I'm particularly excited about common mycorrhizal networks and the wood wide web. We've done some really interesting research here looking at how carbon is transferred between trees. So again, this is via another PhD student of mine, Tim Peters who has found that carbon is transferred preferentially from trees, neighbour trees, to alder, particularly the, the root nodules of alder, which is where nitrogen is fixed. So what that shows in a community of trees, if you like, that neighbours are donating carbon to trees that fix nitrogen. And that's probably for the benefit of the wider community of trees. So we need to start thinking about forests more as, as a community rather than individuals and I'm particularly interested in how the exchange of carbon below ground via these networks may affect tree competition the fact that uh, a large tree may be supporting suppressed trees in the undergrowth until such a time as they can grow so it has a large potential impact on how we think about how trees compete with each other. One of the outcomes of Tim's PhD work was to identify that in the tree species that he was using, carbon was being transferred preferentially to trees that weren't the same species. So you might expect that if you had a forest full of birch trees that carbon would be transferred to the birch trees. If you add another species like a, an alder or, or perhaps a, a beech, in this case that the carbon is transferred from the birch to the beech and that's quite unexpected because you think why would a tree transfer carbon to effectively what you might consider to be a competitive species counterintuitive it almost is completely counterintuitive so that's a really nice initial finding and there's lots of work still to be done working out exactly what's controlling the carbon transfer is it the fungi in the soil is it the tree are the trees trying to think about succession how which trees replace it in which case it may be beneficial to have a different species replace itself to reduce predation for example so there's loads of really exciting ecological questions that we can ask here that's great so plenty of exciting ideas there and my final question andy is where do you see the intrinsic value of long-term ecological field experiments more generally not just bangor diverse but more widely one of the issues, I think, with having these long-term experiments is trying to find consecutive funding, which is always a, a major issue. And we, we tend to maybe get a project for a couple of years, and then we might have a dry spell, and then another project might come along. So it's that continuation and the support for, of a network that allows these long projects that, that really, the, the longer they run, the more important the results are. And that's, I think, under the current funding model that we work under. We often are limited to these short experiments. And you really need that long-term look to, to get the value 
from the user experience. If you think about how long a forest survives, just in this case, we really should be running this experiment for 100 years to really get a, a look at how this whole system develops. The other string to the bow of, of long-term research is also the policy implications, the impact, the fact that we can really get a, a full understanding of how these ecosystems interact uh, and that we can actually develop well-informed evidence-based policy that will help inform the, the behaviour of us in the future. Well said, Andy. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for hosting ECT here today. Thank you very much.